Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. So I'm Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Patricia Grayhaw. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Anita. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. It's a, it's a great book, interesting book that you've written. Um, and uh, it is called Making the Rounds. Is that correct? Yes. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Making the Rounds? Sure. Well, the full title is um, Making the Rounds, Defying Norms in Love and Medicine, because, in fact, I was defying norms in 1969 uh, when I came out as a lesbian, and then uh, shortly thereafter applied to medical school and got in. Um, so the the book is a memoir about that period of coming out and training to be a doctor wow. when neither was uh, approved by society for a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I so I think this is like a, a really important book um, because it, it not only it, it speaks to our history of like uh, feminism and being gay, you know, in a time where we were virtually invisible and, and not valued as as people um you know and and um you were brave and took some chances and took some risks really absolutely i mean when i when i first thought i might be a lesbian in 1965 i took the bus to the phoenix public library and i i looked up homosexuality and it said the book said that homosexuality was a disease and that wow. a mental illness and wow. that uh, homosexuals were doomed to lead unhappy lives, unable to hold down jobs or sustain relationships. And I thought, geez, you know, yeah. I'm not sure I want to be a lesbian, but, um, but, you know, obviously it's not a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at a young age, you know, you, uh, you see that and it really uh, just kind of, I don't know, puts a dark cloud over, you know, your any, any thoughts of, you know, pursuing who you are and being authentic. Absolutely. Yes. And it was quite a while, actually, before I felt comfortable being out as a lesbian, especially early in my well, in medical school, and then when I was the only woman in my internship. And it wasn't until um, quite a bit later, actually, after my training, I uh, went to work because I trained in Boston where I had been out um, later on when I was at the Harvard School of Public Health. I was pretty well out as lesbian. And then I blithely went off to North Carolina to uh, be medical director of a 50,000 employee company. And I just thought my sexuality was no one's business. And, you know, as soon as the personnel got wind, director got wind of it, he fired me. Really? So, so but fortunately, that was a stroke of luck because then I moved to the Pacific Northwest, um, where still, you know, I had to be in the closet for a while because I joined a pretty much all-male multi-specialty clinic. And it wasn't until 
later when I um, went out on my own and had my own consulting practice that I was able to be fully out as a lesbian. Do you think that that um, impacted um, your clientele? Well, I think so. I think it's important um, now, especially for um, queer, that's the umbrella term, I think, that's uh, mm -hmm. woke these days, for queer people to be, um, to be visible, as role, not only as role models for medical students and residents, but also to uh, patients, because you know, I can't tell you how many times I was asked whether I used birth control, you know, uh, yeah. well, how were things with my husband, right? Um, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I never felt comfortable talking about any issues that might have gone on with my partner or uh, anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so there was I, a whole life that you kept hidden. Right. Right. And so nowadays, I think it's, uh, it's better. And I, I usually made a point of saying something in the course of the conversation and the history taking or whatever, to indicate that, um, that I was, you know, a lesbian and pe people could feel free to talk to me about whatever they wanted to. So over the, the decades of practicing medicine, do you see a shift right then in the culture of acceptance as both a lesbian and a, a female medical practitioner? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, of course, I mean, when I went to medical school, and I started in 1971, and I ended up at University of Utah. And the reason I ended up there was because I, I only had two and a half years of college. I applied to medical school early because I had run out of money. Um, my um, scholarship didn't cover my living expenses anymore. You could, so, do, you could do that? Well, you couldn't normally, but it just, it was so lucky for me because um, University of Utah for one year had a special program where they allowed um promising students and I had straight A's and really high scores on the medical college admission test. They would allow a few students in without a college degree. They just did that for one year. And it just so happened that was the year I applied. And so, uh, and they were simultaneously also expanding their class. Still, you know, I was only one of five physicians in a class, uh, five women in a class of a hundred yeah, that doesn't so, surprise me. Still a minority. I, I was such a minority. I was younger than everybody else in my class. I was a woman. Yeah. And I was less the only lesbian. So Wow. Yeah. So you had you had three offs. <laughs> three offs, yeah. Wow. So, so is that what influenced your decision to study uh or to attend med school in, in Utah then? Because that's a well, that conservative. Yeah, state. that that was the only choice I had. Okay, no college degree, but it turned out it was actually it was a good thing because um, even though it started out a bit rough with my uh, medical, well, I decided to room with one of the other women 
the only other non-Mormon in my class. 90 percent wow. of the class was Mormon, wow. and uh, so we we roomed together. And she arrived before I did and put her needlepoint "God loves you" on the wall, which I saw when I arrived, and uh, and so I put up my huge Angela Davis poster with her fist in the air. <laughs> and, you know, no, you can tell <laughs> right off the bat, we weren't going to get along. So, oh, wow. What a difference. Shortly after that, um, especially when she outed me to some of my fellow Mormons when we were walking to class one day, and I, I was in my greasy lab coat and I was muttering to no one in particular, I need a wife. And so she blurts out loud enough for all of the guys to hear, well, what about that woman in San Francisco? So that was my girlfriend, my long distance girlfriend. So, so you that had, was- You had come out to your roommate then? Uh, yeah. No, I oh. had no idea that she, no, she oh. must've been gotten, heard a, you know, yeah. one of our late night conversations or something. Okay. So I decided I needed better cover. So I invited um, another classmate, a, a man who I suspected was gay. We were uh, very friendly and I just point blank asked him if he'd like to switch roommates and, you know, room together. And uh, I think at first he was scared to death thinking I was coming on to him, but I yeah. assured him <laughs> strictly as friends. And uh, it turned out to be very fortuitous. I mean, to the Mormons, it was scandalous enough that we were living together, but at least, you know, I wouldn't be ostracized for being a lesbian. Yeah. Wow. And so did it turn out that he was gay? Well, yes, but it took like, till the end of our medical school time. Um, I mean, I always knew it, but took a long time for him to accept it. Yeah, yeah. But we were, you know, our best supports for each other throughout medical school and throughout internship and residency. And um, yeah, he was like my best friend through all that. Oh, that's so nice. It's nice that you you know, met somebody that, you know, could support you and uh, just, you know, kind of encourage you, I guess. So Yeah, he features pom prominently in the book. And I asked him, because I've changed the names of most of the characters, actually, um, to protect their privacy. But I asked him if I wanted, if he wanted me to change his name. And he said, uh, he was waffling. And I said, you know, you're the one that everybody likes who reads this book. <laughs> <So> <laughs> everybody likes you the best. So don't change your name. <laughs> he said, okay. So. so do you think that like people in your life will recognize themselves in your book? Yes, of course. And what uh, makes it a little bit tricky is that um, one of the main women characters is now married to a man and has been for the last 27 years, and he doesn't know oh about a oh previous relationship. And we're still friends, and, and both of them know that I've written a book. So I changed her name. Oh, wow. Um, and then there's another 
woman, a former colleague, a straight woman that I had an affair with who never um, acknowledged, well, who always maintained that she was totally straight. And oddly enough, she didn't care if I changed her name, but I did anyway, just in case she changed her mind <laughs> after she read what I wrote. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, uh, there are at least four or five characters in my book um, that are still my friends. And I actually sent them or read to them drafts of what I wrote um, before I sent it for publication. Oh, that was nice of you. Yeah. That was really nice. Yeah. And and they were okay with it. They gave the well, you know. I, I mean, there's never any absolute truth. I mean, I wrote my what I remember, yeah, and of right. course, what they remember is sometimes slightly different. But sure. they all acknowledge the basic emotional truth of what I wrote, and um, and in the end, um, no one objected. Even the straight woman who didn't particularly want to read what I wrote, even though I offered it. I said, well, aren't you worried about what I wrote? <laughs> and she said, uh, no, she doesn't care. I mean, Good for her. she's, she's in her seventies and, um, you know, she doesn't have kids or any, I mean, I, she's just not worried. Yeah. So. Pretty secure within herself. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 Nice. So how long were you writing, making the rounds? Um, I started in 2019, I was downsizing with my wife, we were moving into a much smaller space. And I had this box in the, my closet, I hadn't looked at for 40 years, and it was full of journals and letters from that time, the 1970s. And I I actually pulled out the, I was going to burn it. We had this big burn barrel going, this big fire, and we're throwing all these documents and things in. And I thought I'll just throw the whole box in. And then I thought, no, I better read this. <laughs> so, so when I started reading, it was really very emotional. And, and then I thought, you know, this is really quite historical. Uh, just what, you know, not only my experience, but the significance, especially now, I mean, a lot of the issues are still relevant today mm -hmm. um, that I and other women of my generation struggled with. So I really felt that it was fodder for a book. And um, I've always wanted to write something personal. I've written a lot of medical articles and book chapters, but never anything personal. So I started to write and then I thought, you know, I need some, I need to learn more about this. And so I, I hired a writing coach and I started taking classes at Hugo House in Seattle. And then I took a six month memoir writing course and um, writing this book was pretty much my full-time job because then, you know, just as I got into the thick of it, the pandemic started and uh, we couldn't really travel anymore. We couldn't um, do much of anything. So I, I was just 
focus totally on writing this book. So I finished it. Uh, and uh, it was accepted for publication in 2021. So um, awesome. I guess I wrote it in a rather short time, but intensively. Yeah. Wow. That is great. Um, so who is the publisher? Who's the publishing house? She writes press. It's, um, I think it's uh, the largest hybrid publisher and, uh, and it's run by uh, Brooke Warner and uh, another woman. It's, it's 10 years old. And um, I, I, it's been a great experience actually publishing with them nice. because uh, you know, they did all the cover art and had good editors and it was uh, it's been a very positive experience. Awesome. You got to trust your publisher, right? And yes, and absolutely the editors they choose. And yeah, definitely. That's so important because this is, this is your baby. Yes. And I even, um, uh, I was glad that because I'm in my seventies and sometimes I'm not very woke. And so, um, you know, I, I, um, I decided that, um, maybe I should have a sensitivity read of my book. Okay. And I, I was glad I did because I was blindsided by certain things that never occurred to me that, uh, you know, this younger woke person was able to pick up just inadvertent, careless things, but things that I wouldn't want to go into a book and offend people. Yeah, yeah, that's important. That's great. That's really, yeah. um, really sensitive of you to do that. Um, so was that someone like that your publisher recommended or um, just someone you knew or you just... No, no, it was just in, in, in the round of editing. Um, I guess I picked up on a comment that the editor made and I thought uh I'm wondering if I, I'm missing other things so I actually at the Pacific Northwest Writers Conference there was a young author there um in her 20s who had published a couple books and I thought I need somebody in their 20s to read this and fortunately she was available and offered to read it and it was great you know she was really helpful Oh, that's wonderful. It's, it's so great to have. I know um, a couple of publishing houses that actually have someone on staff who will do that. Um, you know, it's it's important. Um, right, right. So, you know, it sounds like you've really invested in your writing skills, um, you know, in the last couple of years, um, you know, being tutored, taking classes, um, and so much so it's like a second career for you now. Is that is that the case? Is that how you view it? I do. I do. This is um, the first year. Uh, well, I, I should say this is the last year. This is the last year of my doing anything in my medical career because I. this is the first year that I've given up teaching. And so I'm like totally devoted to writing now. Wow, wonderful. And it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's writing is hard. It's, yeah. and I always have to have a project. So the whole craft of it, the figuring out how to write a scene and 
and do dialogue effectively and to also create on the page the bodily sensations of emotion. Yes. Um, all of that is um, takes skill, and it, it was a skill that I had to learn. Yeah. Um, and now I want to apply it in other areas. Um, my wife and I are writing a novel together, and uh, it's a lesbian romance novel, but it involves the two protagonists are in their late 60s, and they're coming together accidentally after 40 years of not seeing each other. Um, and uh, they had an affair in Liverpool, England, while they were both graduate students all those 40 years ago, but hadn't seen each other. And, and then they encounter each other randomly on a golf course and then the sparks fly and, you know, complications develop with their families. And, you know, it's, it's different. Huh. Have you submitted <laughs> that? Are you finished with it? Uh, we're just about finished with it. I don't know what we're going to do with it. I don't know if we're going to submit it somewhere or um, pub self-publish it. Okay. Wow. That, it, I mean, that's, it's um, not the usual to uh, find a women loving women romance um, where the prota both protagonists are, um, you know, older. Um, you know, usually they're like in their thirties or forties and. Right. Yeah. Well, I was, <laughs> I don't actually often, I, I hadn't in the past read lesbian romance, and, but I, ha since we were writing one, I decided to read some. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed them. And, you know, I read Radcliffe and the especially Master. the P PMC series and the, mm -hmm. you know, Chris Zett, I think, and um, a few others. And I enjoyed them. But then I, I just felt like, you know, all the women are beautiful and athletic. They all hold, you know, powerful positions mm -hmm. and they have rapturous sex all the time mm -hmm. and it just I mean it's great it's like wishful thinking and a good escape mm -hmm. um, but I thought you know there's a lot of us who are older who still have you know active imaginations and hopefully still have sex and mm -hmm. you know would like to read about some people that look like us or yeah deal with some of the same things that us older lesbians deal with so yeah. that's why we decided to write write this novel wonderful that's great let, um, let me know when you uh when you're you know publishing it and come back on the show you and your wife together oh great she'd love that yeah yeah so you know um patricia i'm thinking like um i uh used to work in higher ed and and I also had a private practice and I saw a lot of young people um a lot of young people preparing for med school or in med school and um you know their their experience seems to be very different than the experience that I imagine that you had when you were in med school um you know like um uh, just I I know um one gay young man in particular who was just so, um, you know, 
out there with his comments that there was no mistaking who he is and what he was about, you know. Um, and I imagine that's just so different that you never ever would have even thought of that, you know, as uh, something that could happen. Yes, I mean, I, yeah, my experience is totally different for many reasons. Uh, I mean, there was a whole issue of being the minority as a woman and as a lesbian. Of course, I didn't reveal to my classmates or fellow interns, except for my dear friend David, that I was a lesbian. But still, the surgeons, you know, they were um, they were awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, on my surgical rotations, when I did, uh, I went to Latter-day Saints Hospital for my obstetrics rotation in medical school. And I, and all the doctors were men. Yeah. And all they had me do was catching placentas all day long. And so it was 24 on, 24 off catching placentas. Wow. And it was like, this is dull. And I'd I remember throwing the placenta in a sink with a loud thwack and, you know, telling the surgeon on call that I wasn't learning anything and I was leaving. <laughs> so I left and I went up to the head of the GYN at University Hospital and said, you know, they won't let me do anything. I'm not learning anything. And he said, you know, you can stay here and work with me and in gynecology, which I did. And he was great. And I learned a lot, but I never learned how to deliver a baby. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, I talk about experiences in my internship too. Um, I didn't want to bog down the book with talking about the drudgery of, or, or just saying how awful it was, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, the chief residents gave me all the worst patients and the ones requiring the most work. Um, I, you know, I just uh, talked about a couple of incidents just to give a flavor for what it was like. But most of the book is really, I think, about a quarter of it has medical scenes in it, and the rest is mostly about my personal struggle to um, to find. Uh, you know, an equal loving relationship with a woman. Yeah. How long have you and your wife been together? We've been together 19 years. And, and how did you guys meet, if you don't mind that I ask? Yeah. Well, we met actually just uh, in 1981, just after my book ends. Actually, I don't talk about her at all in my book. Um, she's a very private person. She didn't want me to write the book in the first place. <laughs> but, um, you know, why did I want to stick my head in the past and, you know, write about old girlfriends and all this stuff? But um, I imagine it was kind of cathartic, too. Well, yeah. I mean, um, when life is happening, you know, it just seems like a series of random events. But then when I actually went back and wrote about it, I could see patterns and I could see an arc of transformation, you know, mm -hmm. positive transformation, fortunately. Nice. And uh, this whole struggle to <clears throat> figure out what I wanted in a relationship, you know, I did knock around with uh, quite a number of them. That's why making the rounds is a double entendre. 
but um, I did finally realize what it is I wanted. And um, I did meet my wife shortly thereafter, after finishing my training, but she's British and, um, you know, I'm American mm -hmm. and I, and in those days it was just not possible, impossible to get together. But we remained very good friends and we finally got together to live together in 2003. So nice. Nice. So you guys have been together for a while. Indeed, yeah. we have. And it's, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Wow, great. Nice. So how do you think, like, having that experience in, you know, um, in your residency and, and in med school where, you know, you were never treated as an equal, how do you think that that shaped you in your career um, or as a person even? Well, I think it was, uh, I think it did have an impact on me. I, I mean, even growing up, you know, I played with the boys <clears throat> in my neighborhood. We played Red Rover and, you know, it was just a matter of, for me, putting my head down and just running headlong into the line of resistance. And I think... Charging forward. Charging, charging the line. And I think I charged the line all through medical school and residency. It was just, you know, I just obstinately going forward. Good and, for you. Um, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, if, if, if there was resistance and that was just an obstacle to overcome. Yeah. So great. Good for you. That's wonderful. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned that you were, um, on the East coast, was it Boston for a while? Yeah, I grew up in Arizona and went to college there medical school in Salt Lake city. And then I did my training in Boston. Was there, um, was there like a different vibe from, you know, in, in Boston than there was in, in Utah? Um, or, you know, did you have that same experience where, you know, doors were closing um, for you? Well, I mean, Boston, of course, the culture is completely different than it is in Salt Lake City. Yeah. But um, even in Boston, you know, in 1975, when I was doing my internship, it was still very macho and you know, I experienced a lot of discrimination in in um, my medical training. However, I did escape and um, ended up going to the Harvard School of Public Health for uh, an MPH and a residency in occupational environmental medicine. And there, the it was much different. I mean, I was uh, comfortable being out. Um, even though all my professors were male, it seemed like they wanted me to do well. And um, and I have to say, you know, some of my professors in Salt Lake City were very supportive and wanted me to do well. I was <coughs> invited, you know, by the chief of medicine to be part of the internal medicine honors program. So, you know, everywhere at that time, there were men putting obstacles in my way and there were men helping me yeah. but the general culture in boston of course i mean there there were women's bars there were um 
lots of women's, there were women's coffee houses, there were women's music festivals, there were, you know, it was, it was second wave feminism. And, and um, I even for a while worked in a women's clinic where the, uh, the Boston, the Boston Women's Health Book Collective um, was on site. Mm -hmm. They wrote that book, Our Bodies, Ourselves, yeah. which is well known, has a lot of good information for women. So I did spend some time working there. It wasn't an entirely positive experience, but, um, you know, just the whole culture at that time with feminism just taking off and um and there were a lot of political lesbians <laughs> it, was, oh, sure. it was a very dynamic time um you must have thought that you had your own playground around you i did i did when i i just went bananas when i first arrived in boston and that's <laughs> a one of the chapters in my book where w my gay uh colleague and i we went to Boston for some electives in the fourth year of medical school. And I was just blown away. And, you know, it was like my adolescence that I never had. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, I think, I think a lot of people, uh, men and women had that experience when, you know, they left, uh, a sheltered life and, 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 you know, went to a city and, you know, where there were gay bars and coffee houses and, you know, um, beatniks and all kinds of things going on that, you know, it was, it was like a, a you know, a whole nother world that just opened up. Um, yeah. yeah. But it was also, it made it hard to, uh, to establish a stable relationship because, um, you know, uh, monogamy was passe because it was part of the patriarchy. And um, oh, yeah. and so a self-respecting lesbian feminist, you know, was not monogamous. And, and that's tough, you know, because yeah. I think most of us are wired for attachment. And yeah, it's... And monogamy. The, and monogamy, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think... <laughs> At least... At least I am, yeah, <laughs> and my partner is. So yeah, I think most females are, you know. Yeah. Um. And and that was, uh, you know, that same mentality. Um. I think it it still exists. Uh. You know, I know people who, um, think that you know, um, marriage equality should not exist, like, um, uh, you know, gay and lesbian folks, queer folks, because it is part of you know, the, um, that whole, um, patriarch patriarchy and, you know, it's, it's, uh, belonging to another and just the history of marriage and what it means, um, is not acceptable, you know? Yeah, I know. And it, that attitude was even more prevalent in the seventies. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you were raging against the man, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I was looking at, um, you know, your book, Making the Rounds. Um, it, so it's, just so I have it correctly, it's Making the Rounds, Defying Norms in Love and Medicine? Yes. Okay. And um, 
and I was I was looking um, at some of the reviews, and and it seems like you're really receiving some really rave reviews, um, you know. And, I, and I'm just wondering, as a this is your first publication, you know, how does that feel to put your you're putting yourself out there for the world to see, also, but you know, also your your writing talent, your craft. Um, how was that for you? <laughs> well, it was scary, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, especially, but, you know, I am writing under a pen name, which shows you that I was, you know, quite, quite reluctant to really to have everybody read my personal business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was me. Mm-hmm. But um, especially since I've written about an era of personal growth that doesn't show me in the best light. And back then I was pretty flawed and complicated young woman. And I was shaped, of course, by my family and the culture of the times. Mm -hmm. And who I was then will be fixed in a reader's mind. And even though decades later now, I'm a totally different person. So I did have early on, I had one lesbian couple, very close friends of mine, tell me they felt very odd reading such personal stuff about my life, especially the sex and I really <clears throat> got quite, I was quite taken aback by that. And so I almost, at one point, I took it all out. <laughs> okay. What, what made you decide but, to put it back in? Well, because it, it all had a purpose, you know, it advanced the story and it wasn't gratuitous. And so yeah. I just thought this is my story and I'm sticking to it. So, okay. um, but yes, I, I feel better now having it out in the world, knowing that it's being well received. And I was really surprised because I thought that only lesbians of a certain age would be interested in reading this book. I was hoping some younger um, people would read it because a lot of the things that we went through is, are especially relevant today. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised to get like a starred Kirkus review. You know, that's a a straight organization, but it's like a high, highly coveted uh, to have a star review. And then, um, and then all my other reviews so far have been five star, really positive. And so, I think actually. And this is a sign of the times, you know, this is how much things have changed where my story, even though I'm a lesbian and um, seems to have wider appeal because it's a human story. I mean, humans, gay or straight, you know, we all seek friendship, belonging, love and meaningful work. And so I think you know, my story actually resonates with people regardless of their sexual orientation. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. It really is. Um, yeah, I imagine that, you know, um, straight women had a similar experience that you did, you know, um, in med school back then. Um, uh, you know, I... Well, I doesn't... Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. It, it, not just that, but... Um, Early on when I was trying to be straight, I got pregnant and I ended up going to Mexico, Nogales, Mexico, 
to someone's bedroom in the middle of the night for an abortion. And I described that in the book and the whole process. And I tried to, you know, make it alive and a visceral experience for the reader because, <clears throat> you know, I, unfortunately, we're going backwards. No, I was just going to say that's that so regard. important for people to understand now. Right. And I think, and, you know, most people, most young people alive, you know, they've they've lived all these decades with their choice of control over their own bodies and reproductive health in you know unchallenged and now that's no longer the case people have no idea really how horrible that is and unfortunately we're about to find out yeah no you're right i think that um younger folks don't like they, they have fortunately lived in a time when, you know, they had a lot of the rights that, you know, older people didn't, you know, just couldn't enjoy. Like, you know, you can walk down the street and hold hands with your girlfriend, um, you know, um, and, and back then you couldn't have, you know, there was no way. Um, it was very dangerous. And I don't think a lot of folks really understand how dangerous it, it could be. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So I mean, can't, <laughs> I, you know, I, I was questioned by campus police for uh, making out with my girlfriend on the lawn in front of the dormitory and, you know, at Arizona State, girls didn't kiss in public then. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the same thing um, in New Hampshire uh, was, uh, but yeah, my girlfriend and I pulled over to the side of the road and we're making out and this cop came and, you know, I was really, I was almost a doctor at that point, privileged in many ways, but, you know, and white. Yeah. But, um, you know, our love made us vulnerable to anything, yeah. you know, depending on the whim of yeah. this white cop. Yeah. Did you um, happen to watch the um, new League of Their Own? Oh, yes. Yes. I, I great. love how they really um, portrayed what what the atmosphere was like back then, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, yes. you know, when they go into that club and, you know, it's rated and, and how mm -hmm. serious it is and how, you know, how it, it affected, you know, everyone differently, you know, right. I love how they explored how it affected everyone differently. Um, right. Yeah. And the, mis the misconceptions that lesbianism is catching and contagious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one, the one player was cracking me up. Oh. So, yeah, that was, they, they did, that's uh, Abby Jacobson. She did a great job with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was well done. Yeah, really was. So, um, Patricia, how are you promoting your book? It's coming out um, October 11th. Right. Well, I have an all new, you know, magnificent website now um, that another author helped me create. And, um, so that's it. Uh, What's the website? Patricia, patriciagrayhall.com. And then 
I'm also right now I have a Goodreads giveaway going on. I'm going to give away four print copies. And I just got noticed that my final print books have been shipped. So I'm really looking forward to getting those. All right, listeners, um, did you hear that? You can be in the running to receive uh, Patricia's book. And how would they do that? Go on Goodreads? Go on Goodreads and sign up. All right. Um, and then I have a book launch coming up in Seattle at Third Place, Third Place Books on October 11th at 7 p.m. in Lake Forest Park. So that is going on um, too. Nice. And then I have been doing interviews like this one and writing articles for magazines and yeah. So wonderful. You've been busy. I've been very busy, which is what I like. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, I am eager to, uh, to, Take a look at your book, um, Making the Rounds, Defying Norms in Love and Medicine. And it comes out uh, October 11th um, through She Writes Press. And I should mention that um, it's also an audiobook. Nice. Um, and I have this fabulous narrator, Alex Picard. She did such a good job. So it, for those who like to listen rather than read, it'll be out in audiobook too very soon. Nice. Nice. That's always great. I love audiobooks. They're uh that's what I do when I when I mow the lawn. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, awesome. All right. So, um Patricia, any any parting words for our listeners? Oh, no. Just um I hope um I hope that people will read my book and go on my website and tell me their story. I've really enjoyed, um, I have, uh, before my book was coming out, I've been promoting it on uh, social media mm -hmm. and asking people to sign up on my website. And then I send them a free book chapter and ask people about their own stories. And I have gotten these amazing stories from people it's so much fun to read so oh that's so cool. sign up on my website and tell me your story that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> all right and your website is patricia grayhall with dot com dot com and it's uh grayhall with two a's it's yeah g-r-a-y-h-a-l-l -L. okay awesome well, Patricia, it's been great having you here. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, that is all the time we have for today. Um, I'm Anita Kelly, and thanks for joining Liz. Talk about books, baby. Until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and be safe, folks.